Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But I want you to first understand right up front that the Bible is clear that God is faithful. He's faithful. And he always keeps his promises. Now, he always keeps his promises. That's really important for us to be reminded of because a lot of times we kind of like, really? Like, God promised me this, but nothing's happened. Why hasn't that happened? Well, we're going to get into that today. We're going to actually unravel that mystery, and we're going to look into some of the things the Scripture actually says about why it seems that God's promises are not coming to pass in our lives. A couple of scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 in the nearly inspired version. Just kidding. The NIV. Uh, did you guys get that? Nearly inspired? No, I'm just kidding. It's right. Only the original autographs were inspired. Everything else is a translation. So just, it's okay. If you think the King James is what Paul spoke, right? Okay. We go pray for you at the end if you really believe that, okay? When I cast that thing out of you, whatever spirit of deception. All right. This is what it says, First Thessalonians 5.24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Woo! Amen. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Come on. Come on, you can be a little louder than that, you Presbyterians. Come on. All right. All right, seriously. Okay. You hear Donald Trump said this week? He was raised a Presbyterian, but he said, I am now officially a non-denominational Christian. That's what he said. Okay, that's cool. Still being sanctified, Donald. There's still a work of the Spirit in sanctifying you, but okay, cool. Uh, Hebrews 10.23. You ready? For he who has promised is faithful. For he who has promised is faithful. Wow, praise God. And then 2 Corinthians 2.20. I love this. Very familiar verse of Scripture. For all the promises of God in him, Christ, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So every promise, all the promises, are yes in God. Amen? Awesome. So good. But yet, for many Christians, their current reality, life circumstances, seem to contradict the promise of Scripture that we just read. Okay? So, for many have been believing for deliverance and breakthrough, but all they're experiencing is delay and disappointment. And oftentimes, I've been there, where our lives are marked more by setback than success, disillusionment than dreams fulfilled, breakdown rather than breakthrough. 
And sometimes, though, we have to understand that the, before we can have breakthrough, God needs to break you. There's a place where we experience breakthrough, but it happens as we go through a breaking process. And that's where we're going to go today. So the Bible is clear. Listen to this. We know the scripture, right? Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The uh, message says unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. Unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. The Passion Translation says this. It says this. Are you ready? <clears throat> when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. When hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. Now look at your neighbor and say, the delay can be depressing. Come on then. All right. Now look at your neighbor and say, the deliverance is in the delay. Now you say, you look at him and say, you didn't know that, did you? Okay. You didn't know that. The delay, the deliverance is in the delay. There's a purpose for the pause. There's a reason why God delays his promises to us. And we're going to look at that. See, there's this verse. I love it. It's Habakkuk 2, verse 3. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but, the, but at the end it will speak and... It will, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it. Okay? It doesn't say if it tarries. It says though it tarries. So the, the, the promise, the vision, the revelation that was spoken, okay, there's going to be a time of tarrying. But what did he say? Wait for it. Okay? So wait for it. Very, very important. Because it will surely come. And then listen to this. It will not tarry. <laughs> so he's saying on one hand, actually two different words in Hebrew. On one hand he says, it's going to tarry. And then the other hand, it won't tarry. Okay? So it's kind of interesting. There's this verse in, in Isaiah 48, I believe it's verse number 3, where God says in the New Living, a long time ago I said this would happen. He said a long time ago I said it would happen. He said then it came to pass quickly. So, but then he says a long time ago, but it happened quickly. Okay? So, do you get that? Okay. A long time ago, but it will happen quickly. All right. So, there's this place. We know that a day with the Lord is what? A thousand years, a thousand years as a day, right? So, okay. So, with God, there's no such thing as, uh, you know, it's kind of like where there's time, right? Because Why? Where there's no motion, there's no matter, there's no such thing as time. So he's a spirit. So that's what it means. With God, a, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. From everlasting to everlasting, you're God. When Jesus returns, according to Revelation 10, it says time will be no more. There'll be no more time. Okay? So we'll step into eternity. Because we're going to have resurrected bodies, spiritual bodies. Okay? And so we'll become spirit. So we're not constrained or confined by those things. That's amazing. Yes. So when we are caught up, sometimes there are people that have literally been caught up in the spirit where they've left their bodies. I had that happen to me when I was a very young preacher preaching in, in uh, an Indian uh, reservation, a First Nation in northern Canada and in back years ago. And that happened to me. And I literally left my body while I was preaching. It was crazy. I was up there, 
and I was in the glory, and I'm looking down and I'm watching myself preach. I literally am watching myself preach. And all of a sudden, like there was no um, a real awareness of time, nothing. And all of a sudden, I'm back in my body, and when I'm back in my body, I'm looking out, and I see the people, and people are running to the front of the church, crying out to Jesus, falling on their face, and it was like a, a glory bomb was dropped in the place. It was so powerful, so amazing. But when that happened to me, there was like no time. It was, and I had that happen to me even earlier when I, when I first came to Christ. And, and I was like, I was caught up and I was around millions and millions of, of, of entities, of beings. I don't even know who they were, but they're all worshiping. And there was this glorious sound of heaven and I was just caught up. And, and it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there was like no sense, like there's no fear. There's no anxiety. There was like no sense of time. It was just like, okay. You know, you ever go somewhere and you just kind of go, okay, this is good, but I need to, I want to go? Right. right? Like, some churches are like that. They're boring. But the point I'm trying to make is we get to a place where we just kind of go, like, when we're in the presence of God, that's like when it says in the book of Acts, Paul spoke all night. It actually says, you know what it says? And Paul spoke on and on and on. That's what it says. And then this guy, he wasn't in the spirit. He fell out of the window. Like, go to sleep in a window, an open window? Like, that's not very smart. So he falls out. Boom. He dies. We know. Paul goes down. He raises him back to life again, right? I have no idea what that story has to do with the sermon. But anyway, it's a cool story. But here's what happens. The, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. The rest of that verse in the message says, but a sudden good break can turn things around. Amen. A sudden good break can turn things around. Yes. So, unrelenting disappointment, but then something happens suddenly. You remember all the scriptures that say, and suddenly... There was a sound from heaven. And suddenly, the Lord whom you have been seeking shall appear in his temple. Paul and Silas were worshiping God. And suddenly, there was a great shaking in the prison. You see, even though things look difficult, God answered. He is the God of the supernatural suddenly. He intervenes, but listen to this. He intervenes when he wants to. He intervenes when he says it is the right time. It says that Jesus came at the fullness of time. Jesus came, and it says in Psalm 102, the set time has come. So there's this thing, this thing we talk about in Greek. There's chronos, which is the natural time. And then there's kairos, which is to do with opportunity. And that has to do with the spiritual timetable of God. So there's this place where God says, I'm going to do something but I want you to understand my promises. I, they will come to pass. I'm not a man that I would lie to you. I don't dangle that proverbial carrot in front of you and pull it away. But I want you to understand there is a place for you to go through a process. There's a time when God speaks a promise 
It's a prophetic promise. He declares something. You might be reading the Bible and something jumps out and you're like, that's God. He's speaking to me. That fits my description. You know, my, my challenge right now, it's very appropriate. Or sometimes someone prophesies over you and they declare something and you know it's the word of the Lord. But then you go through a season where it seemingly isn't coming to pass. Like David was anointed. We've been talking about David. He was anointed. Most likely, he was 17 years of age when the prophet Samuel poured the flask of oil on him and said that you are anointed to be the king of Israel. But it wasn't until he was 30 years of age that he assumed his royal place, his royal role as the king. So for 13 years, he went through a time of waiting, a time of delay where he was in the wilderness and his life was being challenged. And we think of Joseph. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he ended up in prison. And for 13 years, another 13 years, Joseph goes through the same type of challenges. But then suddenly, one day, David is on the throne. Suddenly, one day, Joseph is in his seat of authority. And the word of God comes to pass. And every promise that God made is fulfilled. And I was reading this week about about, um, Solomon. And the Bible says that during the days of Solomon, when he was ruling and reigning, every promise that God gave to his father David was fulfilled, but during the days of Solomon. No later than that. Every promise came to pass is what it says. Amazing. But there's this pattern in Scripture relating to how God moves us from the place of promise foretold to the place of prophecy fulfilled. So this, this is what I call a, three-day, a 3D pattern, okay? It all, declaration, delay, and deliverance. This message is brought to you by the letter D. Declaration, delay, and deliverance. Are you ready? So God makes a declaration. He declares something. This is going to happen. This is my will. It's going to take place. Amen. Guess what? Satan believes it. When he hears the word of the Lord go forth, and God says, I'm going to do this. This is my will. Satan believes it. He knows, and he trembles. Oh, no. God's going to do it again. God's going to do it again. He's decreeing a thing, and he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to make it happen. It's a very powerful thing. So as I said, you know, God releases this vision or that he prophetically declares his plan, his purpose for our lives. And he highlights specific promises to us. Like I said, maybe someone prophesies over us. And listen to this, though. During that time, I want you to think about David for a moment. 17 years old. David was anointed. He was crazy anointed. David was killing bears and lions and giants. Okay? Like with his bare hands, he was killing them. Is what the Bible says. Okay? And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. When David worshiped, demons fled. That's how anointed he was. Okay? So here he is, right? Well, guess what? You can be anointed, but not yet appointed. There's a place where God anoints you, but He's saying, I'm not going to appoint you. There's a time in between declaration and deliverance. There's a gap 
between when God says this will happen and when it actually comes to pass. What I love about the Bible is someone said there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Over 7,000. Amazing. You know, the, the Bible is, is really a book of covenant promises. God says something, and then people have to have faith. They have to have faith in order to see those promises fulfilled in their lives. That's the way it works. That's the message throughout the scriptures. Do you believe? Abraham, look. See all those stars? See all those grains of sand? Your ancestors are going to be like that. Do you believe? Uh, Lord, there's a problem here biologically. We're not even going to have one kid. You know, so like... But he said, do you believe? And the Bible says that against all hope, in hope he believed. Against all hope, in hope he believed. He kept believing, and his faith did not waver, but he held fast to the end, and, and then he saw the promise of God fulfilled in his life. So there's this place of declaration, and God says, I want you to believe me. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen, Isaiah 48, 3. So we may carry a strong anointing. We, we may clearly, it, even evident to others, that God is with us and we are gifted and we're competent, but yet the Father knows we don't have the character or the capacity yet to faithfully steward the calling and destiny that he has for our lives. You see, there's a place of preparation. I, I've said this before. The more powerful the promotion, the more profound and sometimes even painful the preparation process, right? Have you ever prepared to run a marathon or, you know, been in a triathlon or anything? Like, no pain, no gain, right? Like, it's crazy. You're going to hurt. You're going you're gonna to do things that you never thought you could do. If you've been in the military, you go through boot camp. There's things that you're going to go through. You're going to push yourself to a place where you're like, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't think. And they push you, and they push you, and they push you. And they take you to this, like, I never thought I could go there. A good coach will make you be able to do things you didn't think you were capable of doing. You see, this is what God is about. God is about bringing us to a place where we are prepared to be able to steward and carry what he's planned for us. He wants us to be ready for what it is he's entrusted to us. And we can have this, but this anointing, the gifts, but we lack the character, we lack the capacity to be able to steward our calling. The gap between when we were anointed and, the, and when we are appointed can often be significant and extensive. Right? Okay, we don't like that. I want to move from this place to that place. We, you know what we're like? We're like kids. Get in the car. We're going to go for a six-hour journey, right? You're 20 minutes down the road. Are we there yet? Okay. Are we there yet? Like, can we stop? I need to go to the bathroom. Whatever. And we act like kids. And God's like, would you just shut up and enjoy it? No, he probably doesn't say that. But if I was God, I'd say that. <clears throat> but that's why I'm not God, right? Okay. So, will you... Just enjoy the journey. The journey's important. Enjoy the journey. Know what we do. Hey, guys, why don't you just sit back and 
relax and enjoy the journey, you know, make the best out of it. And this is what God is saying. The journey is as important as the destination. It is. It is. There's a, there's a purpose in the process. So, so what happens is there's this delay. And, and typically after God releases a prophetic declaration and, and shows us his promises for our lives, there is a season of delay that follows. Listen to this. This season is typically marked by distress and frustration. <laughs> God's like, <laughs> okay. This season is typically marked by distress and frustration as individuals face delays and hit roadblocks while endeavoring to move forward into their calling. Often, initiatives and projects that were birthed from a lofty vision and are fueled by deep passion end up languishing and sometimes even terminating. What is going on here? What is happening? Tension, tension is created by God. God creates tension. Why? Because the gap between the spoken promise and the prophetic reality appears to grow wider and wider. Sometimes when we first step into it, we're like, yeah, I can see it. Then we go down the road and it's like, oh my gosh. Like I've just been set back significantly, it seems. And it seems further and farther away and often unattainable. Unattainable. Why? And, and this is what happens at this juncture, at this point. This is where many people, this is a make it or break it moment, guys. This is a make it or break it. This is at the point where you're going to break through or it's going to break you. I'm going to, am I going to press through this? Am I going to get through this? And I'm gonna, I, am I going to reach my destiny or am I going to just settle for mediocrity? Are we going to become like Abraham and just start to try to bring to pass the promise of God? You know, we say this and by the way, it's not found in the Bible anywhere. You can Google it. God helps those who help themselves. It's not found in the Bible. Hello. God help those who help themselves. Play on words. I don't know if you got that. But anyway, did you guys get that? God helps those who help themselves. God help those who help themselves. Because we make a mess when we try to do God's job. So what happens is, so he's like, okay, God, surely you need me to just cooperate a little bit with you. I'm going to work with you, God, to bring to pass your promise here. Um, Hey, Sarah, your maidservant, Hagar, bring her here. And like, you can't have kids, so why don't we do this proxy thing? Right? Okay, so what happens is she finally, she goes along with it. I don't get that. I'm like, what the heck kind of woman would ever go along with that? But she does, right? And then, so she is pregnant. The servant is pregnant from Abraham. And then they're celebrating. God has answered our prayers. Hello, have you ever been there? Where we get in the flesh... And we try to make things happen because it's seemingly God 
he just can't figure it out. I don't know what's going on, but he just needs a little help from us. You know, we got a little bit more experience of this thing, God, than you do. So how about we help you out just a little bit? <laughs> and, and what happens is we create a mess. We birth an Ishmael. And you see later on, the Lord says, okay, you know, I let you do this. How's this working out for you? And it's not going too well. And then God says, get rid of Ishmael. I'm not going to fulfill my promise through him. I need an Isaac, a son of promise. I'm not going to do my will your way. God's will must be done God's way. So what happens is God says, Isaac, Isaac, Sarah will have a child. Sarah will become pregnant. She will give birth, no matter what it looks like. Oh, that Ishmael may stand before you, Abraham cries out. He says, no, send him away. The son of Hagar, the bondservant, cannot live with the son of promise in the same house. The flesh... And the promise cannot coexist. It's got to be done God's way. Entirely. Completely. And so what ends up happening is, is he's gone, right? So he's sent away. So here they are. So in the delay, when things aren't going the way we think it should be, we have to realize that God is up to something. He's stretching our faith. He's weaning us from self-will and self-dependence. Yes. Self-will and self-dependence. He's weaning us from that. Okay? Because a lot of us, we've never got this Psalm 4610 thing straight yet. Be still and know that I'm God. We haven't got that yet. We just kind of, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Right? And I'm going to. And we do it, and it's an issue now. Because the Lord hasn't led us to do it. It's not his plan. And it becomes a mess. God stretches our faith. He weans us from self-dependence. So we will draw from him. Draw our strength from him. And we'll trust in his leading. Let me share this with you. I love the fact that for every problem we have in life, there's a promise in God's word. Isn't that awesome? Every problem, there's a promise. Well, I'm dealing with this. Boom, 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 boom. Here's the chirp, the verses. Here's the, right? And like whatever book can do that. None. All right. So we got that, right? And so we're good. Like, okay, so what do I do when I lack, when I lack something? What do I do? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? Okay. There's the promise. Lord, I lack. I have a problem. So here's the promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But even though for every problem there's a promise, for every promise there's also a process. And in Matthew 6.33... The promise is God's part. That's his responsibility. But the process 
is our responsibility. The onus rests upon us to fulfill the process. What is the process? The process is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the promise is all these things will be added to you. For every problem, there's a promise. But for every promise, there's a process. Wow. (laughs) Listen to this. The masterpiece is in the mess. I don't like my mess. I don't like what I'm going through. It's painful. It's unpleasant. It's annoying. I mean, I just wish I wasn't going through this. I just wish. Like, wish all you want. Sometimes we're like, get behind me, Satan. And God's like, that ain't the devil, that's me. And I don't rebuke too easily. Like, you're not going to rebuke me away. Because I got a reason for what I'm doing in your life right now. Like the children of Israel, like, let's go into the promised land. And yet God never said, I'm taking you into the promised land. When Moses went to Pharaoh repeatedly, he said, let my people go that they might hold a feast to me or they may worship me in the wilderness. But they were like, worship, what, wilderness? What? I mean, promised land, right? Egypt, slavery, promised land, milk and honey, yeah. God's like, no, wilderness, desolation, isolation, manna, like provision from God alone, dependence, being led by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the daytime. Like, this is God's way. And so... There's a process, there's, there's a road, there's a journey that we have to go down to, to be able to get to the place that God wants us to. But here's the secret, here's the secret, okay? Many people complain, in the journey, complain on the journey like the children of Israel and they never make it into the promised land. Ten times they tested me, the Lord says. Ten times they complained Okay, I'm done. You're not going in. New generation, I'll take them in. That's scary. But you see, there's a place where we have to cooperate with what God is trying to do. And we have to understand that there's a purpose in the process. Not just pain in the process. There's purpose in the process. God is in the saddest. Okay? But he knows that in order for us to be... Move to that place of great dependence and trust and and having faith in him that we have to go through some testing. Come on now, right? We said, listen to me. There is a purpose in the pain. Okay? So I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 37. This is the Passion Translation. Listen to the Passion Translation because you're going to understand something here. So this is the verse that we read. It says, cast not away your confidence. You know that verse? Cast not away your confidence. We love that verse, right? So that would be Hebrews 10.35. The passion says, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. Don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. Awesome. I love that. Then listen to this. Are you ready? Where am I? Somewhere here. Okay, here we go. You need the strength of endurance. Listen to this. This is verse 36. You need the strength of endurance 
to reveal the poetry of God's will. To reveal the poetry of God's will. And then you will receive the promise in full. Okay, hang on. What? Listen, you need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. And then you will receive the promise in full. So we're talking about receiving the promise in full. Correct? Right? Everybody get there? You want to receive the promise. We want to obtain the promise. We want to see the promises of God fulfilled in our life. So you need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. Why does it say the poetry of God's will? Because the Greek word is, also, is the same word that's used in, in Ephesians 2 verse 10, where it's translated masterpiece in the New Living. It literally means a po- poetry or a poem. So listen, God is writing a poem. God has, here's something he's doing. God is creating a masterpiece in the midst of your mess. No matter what it is that you're going through, if you will persevere, you are going to see a revelation of the poetry of God's will. You're going to see what he's actually creating. He's, he's doing something beautiful. But as I said, oftentimes what ends up happening is we look and it's like we see the, we see the backside, right, of the tapestry. You know, we see like God, we, we, we see the backside, you know. But the truth is that God is creating something beautiful. Amen. The, if we could look at the front, if we could see what's actually being created, we'd be, we'd be like, this is amazing. But we just see... We just see the mess. We, we just see, you know, what is happening here and, 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 and how it's ragged and, and, and there's all these, you know, loose ends and so on. But God is actually creating something beautiful. I normally don't read poems, but because I'm talking about poetry, I'm going to read a poem. Like, I, I'm not, I don't like poems, okay? But I like this poem. Okay, so the truth is, how many have heard of Cory ten Boom? Yes. So Cory ten Boom was a prisoner of war in World War II with the Nazis. Her sister was killed. Was her father was killed? And it's because they hid Jews, right? The hiding place, the book, the movie. So, so she wrote this poem. Listen to this. This comes from a poem of unknown origin. It was popularized by Cory ten Boom. Okay, so she didn't write it. It was popularized by her. Listen to what it says. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors he works steadily. Oft times he weaves sorrow, and I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. And it says, he knows, he loves, he cares, nothing this truth can dim. He gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. Wow, so powerful. So God is working in the mess. The masterpiece is in the mess. The picture 
The poetry is in the pain. The testimony is in the testing. This is all part of God's process. So he brings us through delay in order to actually bring us to that place where he causes us to to become weak and and, and, and he begins to humble us and break us so that we, we will stop our, our complaining and we'll, we'll start trusting him and, and worshiping him. Last Sunday I talked about how David worshiped God in the cave. In the cave. Psalm 142 was written when he was in the cave of Adullam. Worship him in the wilderness. Everybody can praise him in the promised land. Yes. Well, not everybody can worship him in the wilderness, right? So you gotta, you got to learn how to worship him. we got to learn how to praise him. Even though it doesn't make sense. Even though there are times like, guys, this isn't like, well, I feel like it. It isn't about how you feel. It's about being obedient. It's just about doing it. David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Like, hello, soul. You need to bless the Lord. And soul's like, I don't want to bless the Lord. David's like, bless the Lord. Soul's like, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And David's like, bless the Lord. Bless him anyway. Soul, right? And Saul's like, David, stop that. No, but, but what happens is <laughs> he, he gets to that point where he says, I'm going to bless God, even though I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't even see any reason to bless him. We'll bless him anyway. Yes. Could be worse. You could be dead. Right? right? But bless him. Bless him anyways. Bless him. Listen to this. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. And then you will receive the promise. For soon and very soon, the one who is appearing will come without delay. Yes. Wow. Amen. So there's been this delay. If you understand the, the backdrop, the historical backdrop, the reason why he was writing to the Hebrews. Like these guys were suffering. They, they were suffering for being Christians. They were being persecuted. They were losing their properties and they were being some of them put in prison and everything and they're kind of like hey maybe we can just go back and be good jews under the law and because that was a state protected religion at the time and he's like don't don't do that don't go back like you can't go back right remember remember last sunday we talked about the the coat of arms of australia which has an emu and a kangaroo on it why because those two animals can only go forward they can't go back. We can't go back. There's no turning back. What do we have to go back to? It's like everyone forsakes Jesus, isn't it? This is kind of freaky. Are you ready? John 6, verse 66. John 6, 6, 6. Everyone, just let you know. Say, we're not going to follow Jesus anymore. Okay. And then so Jesus is like, okay, guys, sorry. You know what? It's only joking. Come on, come on. I'll just... I'll make it a little bit easier on you guys. Like, sorry, I know I was a little harsh. And no, Jesus looks at them and they're, they're leaving. They're walking out the door and he turns around and goes, yo, Peter, what up, man? And Peter's like, hey, Jesus. He's like, Peter, what is going on, man? Like, do you want to go? Do you and the boys want to leave too? Like, there's the door. Do you want to go? Do you want to leave? Like, is this too hard for you, Peter? For you, James? For you, John? Are you failed to count the cost? There's the door. You can go too. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. I will be raised to life. But they're like, Lord, where are we going to go? 
Where are we going to go? Like only you have the words of eternal life. We're not turning back. We're going forward. Listen, guys, when you, do, you think, do, you, do you think that it should be surprising that when you step out to do something that honors God, like you're going to just think, well, everything's going to go awesome, right? I used to believe that. And I obeyed God, therefore God is obligated to, right? Smooth, easy, no problems. Then I realized there's a devil. Then I realized there's an enemy who hates when we obey God. You take a step forward to obey the Lord, the enemy is going to attack you. He's going to try to, to assault you, knock you down, whatever. He's going to try to, to move you off of your pathway of focus, discourage you, whatever it is. So, don't lose your bold, courageous faith. Okay? You're destined for a great reward. Wow. All you, now what you need to do is you need the strength of endurance. You just need to keep going. You just need to keep pushing. You just need to keep praying. Just keep believing. Keep worshiping. Just keep doing it. Because soon and very soon the one who's appearing will come without delay. See, you need to persevere so when you've done the will of God you will receive what he's promised. So you're waiting on God. Let me just close with this. When the Bible says in Isaiah 40 verse 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. All right? Now, first of all, let me just tell you what the word means. In Hebrew, it speaks of like two cords that are bound together through twisting. That's what the word means. So it doesn't speak of passivity. It speaks of action. So it's saying when you wait on God, it's like two cords being bound together. You become stronger. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay? So when you're actually waiting on the Lord, you're becoming one with him. Right? He said Christ is in us. We are in Christ. The two become one. Two become one. So what happens is there's this thing that happens. Okay? But I want you to understand something. It doesn't say those who wait for the Lord. It says those who wait on the Lord. There's a big difference. If I go to a restaurant, and I'm sitting at the restaurant, Lynn and I are sitting in a restaurant. Who wants to go to a restaurant? Let's try this today. See if it works. Okay? You guys, they should say in Australia, Corinne, right? Your shout. Which means you guys pay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the, the point is this. Look, you go to a restaurant, right? You sit down at the table, and you look at your server, and the server's like sitting in another table. True story. Okay, last time I was in Florida. Sitting at another table, just kind of like, I don't know, checking the phone. And it's like, dude, we are so ready to order. Like, where are you? And you're sitting there, you're waiting, and you start staring, right? And then you start doing that, right? And then you're like, <clears throat> right? We're Canadians, so we're not going to yell. If I was from New York, I'd say, excuse me, I'm ready to order. But I'm Canadian, so I'm going to do the real quiet thing. So, so what happens is she finally, like, so what I'm saying is I, she comes over and I said, oh, hey, look, it, we're ready to order. And she goes, oh, well, you know, I'm a waiter, and so I was waiting on you. Oh, you think that I'm supposed to go to you. Oh. Uh, uh, uh. 
Like you're waiting on me. So this is the way we are with God. We're waiting on God, but we're not. We're waiting for God. Sorry. We're not waiting on God. There's a huge difference. So when you're waiting on God, you're becoming more intimate with him. You're becoming, the two are becoming one. You're getting closer to him and you're becoming stronger. So you say, I'm waiting on the Lord. If you're not getting stronger, you might be waiting for God, but you're not waiting on God. Amen. Big difference. Yes. Okay, check it out. That's the word in Hebrew. All right, so what happens? Let me close with this. I said we were going to close, didn't I? All right, that's okay. I can do that because Paul did that. In Philippians 3, he said, finally, brethren. Then in Philippians 4, he said, finally, brethren. (laughs) So I get to do it at least twice. All right, ready? Faith. We're talking about faith, guys. Believing. Faith isn't sitting here passively like, okay, God, I'm ready whenever you are. Hello, kind of thing. That's not faith. Faith is pursuing. Faith is active. Faith is clinging. Faith is believing. Faith is praying. Faith is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to search for the promise. Lord, I have a problem right now. Hello. I am sick. I am depressed. My marriage is a mess. My finances are a mess. I have a problem, God. I need a word from you. Sorry. That's okay. You think God's like, ooh, Mr. You know, whatever, right? Huffy, huffy, right? Get off. So, like, God's not like that. He's like, okay, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Like, you really want something from me? Yeah. Boom. God gives us a word. He gives us a word. He speaks to us. He gives us a word. Then what do we do? We have to contend for the fulfillment of that word. We have to believe God. We do have to wait for him at times, for his timing, but we have to at the same time be waiting on him, growing closer, getting stronger. I I love this scripture. It says in the Bible somewhere, Uh, Hebrews 12 verse 11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however come on now right like you work out and you're like oh my gosh later on however right you get you get you get jacked right because you, you work out and what happens is your muscles grow when they're being torn that's when they actually grow. So, so the repairing actually causes you to end up getting bigger. So what happens is, says it doesn't seem pleasant at the time. However, later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Have you been, are you being trained by your difficulties, your trials? Or are you simply just kind of going through it and you know you, you you're just like i can't get this over with i can't wait for this season to be over with in my life like come on and then we don't learn the lessons that god is trying to teach us in the midst of these difficult and distressing times in the delay and so we're not ready we're not ready we can't do it it's like i'm going to run a marathon no you're not you didn't train 
You're going to fall flat in your face. You might go three or four K. That's it. You're not going to make it. You're not trained. You didn't train enough. So, so what happens is we, we read this whole story. I mentioned this to you. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, it, we call that the Hebrews Hall of Faith. The Hebrews Hall of Faith. Why? Because it talks about all the great men and women of God who had faith. And because of their faith, they, they experienced the blessing of God in their lives. So good. Listen to this. NLT. Hebrews 11, 32 and 32. 32 and 32. Did I say that? 32 and 32? That's 32 and 33. Okay. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also David. Listen to this. David. Here's David. And Samuel and the prophets. Who, through faith, subdued kingdoms. Wow. You have any kingdoms you need to subdue? Who, through faith, subdued kingdoms. Worked righteousness. Listen to this. Obtained promises. Obtained promises. Come on. Who, through faith, they obtained promises. One day. David was made king suddenly. One day Joseph found himself standing before Pharaoh. But from the time to prophecy to promotion, there was a season of pruning and preparation. Psalm 105 verse 19 in the NLT says, Until the time came to pass to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Until the time came to pass to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Come on now. What has God revealed to you about your purpose, your destiny? What specific promises has he made to you? Which one of those promises has already come to pass in your life and which ones are still yet to be fulfilled? And what do you need to learn in the in-between? Hello, this is Discover. And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. 